Hi guys, it is C and welcome back to Girls, Ghosts, and Ghouls. It's a new year and new me as it were. There are going to be some changes at Girls, Ghosts, and Ghouls this year. Um, unfortunately, Key probably won't be featured a lot in the upcoming episodes uh, just because it is her senior year at school and she has too much going on. So I will just be taking over and you will still be getting the same great spooky ghost stories that we've been trying to bring to you just without the reaction from her, but that's okay because you'll still be getting a reaction from me. This is episode... 13, I believe, lucky number 13 of Girls, Ghosts, and Ghouls. And just a reminder, if you guys have any recommendations of stories that you want us to cover, or if you have any personal stories that you'd like for us to share, I love hearing those. And you can send those to me at girlsghostsandghouls at gmail.com. So I hope to hear those from you guys and today's story is a little bit of a combo of the two things that I love which is um true crime and paranormal stories so this one is a bit of both and yeah also I'm totally wrong it's episode number 12 not episode number 13 so lucky number 12 this time, and that's fine. But this uh, week, we are going to be talking about the infamous uh, Cecil or Cecile Hotel in Los Angeles. Uh, for those of you who are fans of true crime, you probably are already well aware of this hotel. Um, it is known as one of the most haunted buildings in Los Angeles, and it's certainly Los Angeles's most infamous hotel for the reasons that I am about to outline for you guys. So originally, when this hotel was built, it was meant to be a luxury hotel. So the man that made it was William Banks Hanner, and he started building it in 1924, and he spent over a million dollars at the time, which roughly is about $13 million of money today. And he built it in an art deco style with a marble lobby, stained glass windows. He imported palm trees, columns, statues, and he had intended for the hotel to be uh, a destination for businessmen and the elite of society. So it opened in 1927, and unfortunately, that is not what happened because shortly after the hotel opened, America, the world really, but America was hit with the Great Depression. So instead of becoming this grand hotel where the world's who's who would come and stay there, it ended up attracting at first kind of the average person and then it turned into attracting what he would have called undesirables and people on the lower end of society. 
And so the once grand, beautiful hotel kind of fell into disrepair, and the area around it developed into Skid Row. So there was a lot of um, addicts and runaways, criminals, and homelessness around the hotel. So due to that, it never really lived up to what he had hoped for it. The weird and mysterious nature and reputation of the hotel actually started relatively quickly after it opened. And the first death that occurred there was in... Let me take a look here. In 1931, a man named W.K. Norton came to the hotel and disguised himself under the name of James Willis, and he was found dead there, and that was the first death and first suicide that occurred in the hotel. Okay, so, you know, that sometimes happens in a hotel or anywhere, really, so it doesn't seem that strange. Then in 1932, a man named Benjamin Doddick was found in the hotel and had fatally been shot in the head, and it appeared that he had taken his own life. But he left no suicide note, and no one could find any indications or reasons why he would have gone there to commit suicide. Okay, so, you know, two suicides in two years. It's the Great Depression. Maybe it's not that weird. Just wait. Then in 1933, a truck driver was found just outside the building, trapped between the building and his truck, and ultimately was crushed to death. And no one really knew what had happened or how it had happened at the time. A man named Erwin C. Neblet committed suicide and was found next to a pile of poison caplets, which was how he took his own life. Strangely enough, not that long after that had happened, there was an attempted suicide by a woman named Dorothy Skyga, who also took poison caplets, but ended up being found and saved in time. The strange thing about it was that she was staying in the same room where Irwin had committed the same act. Now let's keep this in mind. This is not 2018, so it's not like she could go on the internet and see what happened. Maybe it would have been reported in the paper at the time, I'm not sure, but the magnitude and the consistency of these deaths that are happening at this point, it's almost one per year. And the fact that these are happening in the same way, in the same place, it's all very strange and it's beginning to add up to something kind of, not kind of, something really weird. In 1934, a man named Louis D. Borden was found with his throat slashed in what they believed was another suicide, but they weren't sure if it was suicide or if it was foul play but he there was a note found next to him stating that he had been ill 
I don't know if that was a note from him saying that he did this, but I mean, not that there's a good way for this to ever happen and we never want anyone to have to be driven to take their own life, but slashing your own throat seems like a really, really violent way to go. But I, like I said, there's no good way, but that just seems pretty extreme. Yeah. Uh, um, in 1937, a woman named Grace Margot um, fell from her room on the ninth story through the window into the telephone wire where her body was trapped. When this happened, the police didn't know if it had been suicide, an accident, or foul play. So they didn't know if she had jumped from her ninth story window, if she'd accidentally tripped and fallen out of her window, or if someone had thrown her. And they never did figure it out. In... 1938, a man named Roy Thompson jumped off the roof of the hotel. Again, well, they believe he jumped off the roof, either that or was thrown off the roof. They are not 100% sure. And his body was discovered on the roof of a nearby building. So it was one hell of a jump. In 1962, a woman named Julia Moore also either jumped or fell out of her eighth-story window onto the light well on the second floor of the hotel. And in 1954, a woman who had checked in, her name was Helen Gurney, but she checked in under the alias of Margaret Brown and was also said to have jumped out of her window. Also, there was a story in... 1944, where a 19-year-old woman um, claiming that she didn't know she was pregnant gave birth to a newborn baby in the hotel room and then tossed it out the window, therefore killing the baby. Another death in 1964, a woman was found stabbed and strangled in her room, which showed signs of having been like ransacked, but they never found out who committed the crime. So these deaths start almost immediately from when it opened and seem to be relatively consistent throughout the years. Now... That is just the more... So the reason that this hotel actually came to my attention was because of the unfortunate death of Elisa Lam, who was a fellow Canadian. She was a college student, and she had gone to Los Angeles um, on a trip because she loved to travel and... This was, I believe, in 2011, and she had been missing. She'd gone missing, and her family was uh, looking for her, and that had been the last place that she had been seen. Her body was eventually found 
inside the water tank on the roof three weeks later. Um, she was found naked floating in the water tank, and this was after the guests had complained of bad water pressure and a strange taste in the water. Um, the authorities ruled her death an accidental drowning, but people believe otherwise. Um, she did have mental health issues, so some people believe that it was a, an intentional act of suicide. However, there's a lot of issues with that. Some people say that she couldn't have had access to the roof without having a staff card, which they were unable to find on her or nearby anywhere. Um, also, there was a strange video that was the last time she was seen. And a lot of you may have already seen this video. I know that it went viral on YouTube and a lot of people speculate what was going on in this video. And basically, this is the last time Elisa is seen. This is believed to be the night that she died. And she comes into the elevator and she's beginning to act kind of strange. So she first comes into the elevator and she is crouching down and she kind of ducks into the elevator and crouches low as if she's trying to hide and she's pressing herself up against the wall so no one can see her. And occasionally she's peeking out into the hallway as if she's looking for someone, like maybe someone that was following her or someone she was waiting for. Then she comes back into the elevator and she gets back into that hidden position again. And she pushes a bunch of buttons, but the elevator doesn't do anything. The door stays open. So then she steps out again and she goes out into the hallway and it looks as if she's talking to somebody, but you don't see anyone. And at, nobody knows if there was just maybe somebody that was off camera that they couldn't see, or some people think she was just in a, uh, having a psychotic break and that she was talking to herself or voices that she believed was there. Other people suspect that it might have been supernatural activity that was influencing her or messing with her and there's really no way to know because all you can see in the video is her and her reaction so this is the last time and she rides the elevator for a while until she eventually gets off and this kind of gave validity to a lot of people that believe the hotel was haunted just seeing the way that she was reacting Another strange thing about this hotel, and like I said, that was what the case that brought it to my attention because that was a, a Canadian victim and we it got a lot of coverage at the time. But that's not the only big story to have happened at this hotel. That is the most recent and probably the most well broadcast because she was missing for so long. But... True crime fans will probably know about the woman Elizabeth Short, who many call the Black Dahlia. Uh, she was around the same age as Elisa, and this was also the last place that she was seen before her body was found. She was last seen at the hotel having a drink in the bar, evidently, and this would have been in 19... 56, I believe. 1944. 
Yes. 47. Yes. So in 1947, um, she was said to be having a drink in the hotel, and that was the last place anybody saw her before they found her body. So that's creepy. But then, again, true crime fans, the Night Stalker, who we now know was Richard Ramirez, when he was in Los Angeles, he would make this hotel the base for his operations, and he even disposed of a lot of evidence there, including, like, bloody clothes after he would commit a crime right in the hotel dumpster. So he would go, strip off his bloodied shirt, throw it in the dumpster, and walks, reportedly just walk through the hotel with no shirt on to his room. And every time he was in Los Angeles, this is where he would stay. So his name is pretty well known in the community, and his crimes were horrific, but then another serial killer, this one from Austria, named Jack Unterweger, has also been tied to this hotel. So initially, he had been charged for a crime, arrested, and was serving time for it. Then he essentially wrote a book that convinced somehow the authorities and the general public that he had been reformed. Shocker, he had not been reformed, but they seemed to buy it, and he got released from prison, and he actually became a really well-known journalist and TV host. And I don't, like, this is sick. He became a specialist in true crime. And more shockingly, the murders of sex workers, which was exactly the thing that he had been charged for. So not only did they believe that he was reformed, but they basically put him in a situation where he could be himself, and he had access to victims, essentially. So in 1991, he checked into the same hotel, and while he was there, uh, three women were attacked and killed in the same way that he had done his first crime. And the police were evidently able to tie him to the murders, and he was... Yeah. He was guilty for it. Um, But unfortunately, and this is why I say they basically gave him access to victims, is that once they started investigating him, both where he was from and in the U.S., they began to realize that he had committed a lot of the murders that he had been covering for his stories. So that is like the ultimate of the killer putting themselves back into the spotlight of the crime. He was covering these stories as though they didn't know who had done it, and he was trying to help find them, and meanwhile, it had been him that had done it in the first place, which, like I said, they basically handed these victims to him on a silver platter, but anyways. Uh, He was taken to prison 
and after his second conviction, he ended up committing suicide. So there's a lot of horrific death associated with this hotel. And like I said, it's not one or two or three, it's a lot. And it spans over the centuries. I mean, it started from when it opened and the Night Stalker was operating from the 40s to the 80s and this Austrian serial killer was operating in the 90s and Elisa's death happened in the 2000s and it's just feels like it's a never ending cycle now a lot of people that believe that the hotel is haunted as far as the suicides are concerned they believe that there are angry spirits within the hotel that are influencing the guests into these actions. A lot of people have reported seeing a mysterious shape and figure in the windows of the hotel, and they believe that this figure, this ghost or apparition, may be responsible for pushing people out of the hotel windows, particularly the people where they couldn't figure out whether they had jumped or whether they had been pushed and that sort of thing. So they believe that this apparition may actually have been responsible for pushing these people out of the windows. Additionally, their energy or their influence may actually have been driving the people that were staying there to take their own lives. There's not a lot of paranormal evidence for this, which is really strange because it seems to have been on the radar as a haunted hotel for many years, so you would think there would be more evidence posted, and I guess paranormal investigators are most likely to cite the elevator video, but there is also a photo posted, and it's hard to make out exactly, like it's not super clear, but it's a mysterious figure, and it's a mix of black and blue, and it's this mass that almost has the shape of a body, and it looks like it's leaning out the window, but the window itself is closed. It's, like I said, it's not really clear, but that's a photo that a lot of people go to. And there have been reports of similar apparitions being seen wandering the hallways as well, but no video or photographic evidence. Now, for you TV fans and pop culture fans, in 1987, when YouTube performed their impromptu live concert on the rooftop, um, they performed on top of the building next door to the hotel. And so when you see video of the performance, you can see the hotel in the backdrop for the music video where the streets have no name. Also, more recently, fans of American Horror Story may already know or may not know that the hotel was also said to be the inspiration for the season American Horror Story Hotel. The hotel has been rebranded 
And this actually happened before Elisa Lam's stay there. It was renovated and rebranded as the Stay on Main Hotel and Hostel. And I think a lot of travelers, particularly young travelers, more recently stay there um, due to its location being relatively close to things that they want to see, as well as it being a affordable place to stay in the city. Um, when you go online and you look at it on booking sites uh, and you're just kind of flipping through the pictures, it actually looks beautiful on the inside. Um, the lobby is gorgeous and all the rooms having been renovated are very modern and clean. Uh, there's a fitness room and a bar and a cafe. They say that they give you uh, complimentary breakfast every day with tea and coffee. So I can see people thinking, oh, hey, this would be a pretty cool place to stay. Uh, unfortunately, it is marked as a two-star hotel, uh, probably for its infamous location, because although they have rebranded themselves online, the hotel itself still bears the same name, and on the side of the building, the historic signs are all still all over the building as the Cecil or Cecile Hotel. So, while they've renovated and rebranded, uh, they can't exactly shake the reputation that comes with it. So I think it's safe to say uh, if and when I hopefully do ever visit L.A., I would not be staying there. I, I might go and see it, but I wouldn't be very tempted or um, intrigued to spend the night there. This is not like the Fort Gary where I would actually be interested in, in staying the night there. Um, the history there is just a little too much for me. And yeah, so that is the story of Los Angeles's most infamous hotel. Um, if any of you have actually stayed there or been there, I'd love to hear about your experiences. And again, you can send those stories or any recommendations or stories to girlsghostsandghouls at gmail.com. Uh, you can find more information about the podcast and about us on the website at girlsghostsandghouls.com. You can follow us on Instagram at girlsghostsghouls, on Twitter at girlsggpodcast, and facebook.com slash girlsghostsghouls. I am posting everywhere, and I would love to hear from you guys on all of those platforms. Also, I would like to add, particularly with today's topic, that if you or someone you know is suffering from mental health issues or crisis, um, please ensure that you or they find the help they need. In Canada, you can go to www.cmha.ca, which is the Canadian Mental Health Association. Um, they have information and, and programs for you, you can also type in your city there and they'll let you know where you can go or who you can contact for help in your area. 
Um, for everyone else, please make sure that you are reaching out for help because you can get better and it does get better. And I am speaking from personal experience here. I know that it can be a struggle. So we don't want anyone to suffer alone when they can, they can get help. I want to thank you guys for listening this week and I will be back next week with a new episode, probably not true crime related, but uh, we'll see. Thanks for listening. Bye.